good morning. You're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. Hello and good morning again on a lovely Melbourne morning. I love Melbourne weather. I don't care about anyone who wants to knock it. Try living in Greenland for a while. See how you go. Mind you, it wouldn't be a bad place to live. If you had lots of warm undies, should be right. I just wanted to say something about Afghanistan. After, what, 20 years of USA and its allies, that is, us, after slaughtering in Afghanistan, what's changed? Well, just another blood-soaked imperialist adventure, you say. No, no, it was a huge success. In those 20 years... Afghanistan and the horror inflicted on it made billions and billions for the military-industrial complex. And don't forget the flora. All the money, all that money made from the flora in Afghanistan. But there's one thing that really took my attention and I'm sure that it also took yours, dear listener. When we talk about Australia and the US alliance... One of the main justifications for that alliance and for our participation in every war the Americans start, the justification is that we're, you know, we're somehow shoring up future support from our great ally when we need it. And when we need it, our great ally will come to us. But for now, just watch the fate of those in Afghanistan who bet their lives. They bet their lives on an American alliance. We've seen some terrible images, dreadful images. I can't look at them. Oh, of people crowding on planes, hanging onto planes and falling off the planes as those planes take off. They just want to get out. Don't forget the people from Afghanistan who got out eight years ago and after terrible, oh, nerve-wracking horrendous journeys reached Australia to be not welcomed but locked up. We are now coming up to the ninth year, nine years of being locked up in Australia. It's called offshore processing. Does it make you feel proud to be Australian? I certainly don't feel proud of it but what our government should be doing right now First off, evacuating everyone that they can. I don't know why this wasn't done months ago in March. But no, the Prime Minister doesn't hold a hose because he has his own big private jet. I don't know why you can't send that. But anyway, that's the first thing. Evacuate as many as possible. The next thing, we've got to urge governments in the region to keep their borders open. If people trying to flee persecution... You've got to have the borders open, you know, Pakistan and Iran particularly. We need additional refugee settlement places for Afghan refugees here, as we did in 2015 with 12,000 additional places for Syrian and Iraqi refugees. Canada's already announced it's setting up more places. And then our aid to the region needs to increase as soon as possible. And this is crucial because so many people who are now at risk from hunger and lack of shelter due to their forced displacement. Temporary visas of all Afghan citizens in Australia need to be extended, just like the government did in May for citizens of Myanmar. 
we have to assure people they aren't at risk of imminent forced return. And as part of this extension, people whose asylum claims have been previously rejected should now be supported to submit new claims. Well, in the light of the changed circumstances, obviously. Permanent protection is needed for the 4,300 Afghans on temporary protection visas. Well, they're not going to be able to return home in safety for many years, are they? And they need the reassurance that they can continue to live in Australia without the constant fear of forced return. And while all this horror is going on in Afghanistan and God knows other parts of the world, I still find myself listening to people whinge about a lockdown, whinging about playgrounds being closed. Oh, my poor kiddies, what will they do without their playground? They can't grow up without a playground. Well, they can. And they don't need a playground. My kids are managed running around on the creek, kicking a footy, climbing trees, falling out of them, generally just behaving like kids do, all without the benefit, and I'm sure there is a benefit, but all without the benefit of a structured, built playground environment. Oh, crikey. Now now I'm whinging myself about the bloody whingers out there. Sorry about that, listener dear. About time I put some music on. Just before I do, I want to mention a group which I support. It's called Afghan Australian Development Organisation. A-A-D-O dot org dot A-U. A-A-D-O dot org dot A-U. Check out their website, see what they're doing, and you could be able to assist in some way. I hope you can. Anyway, a bit of music to... Stop me from breaking down in a bucket of tears or all of us from breaking down. Me arranca el corazón. 
corazón con que vivo Que ardo mi oruga cultivo Cultivo una rosa blanca
There's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3cr.org.au. Yes, this is our vibration. Check out Music Sans Frontier. Great voices. Music Matters. The Hip Sister Hop Show. The Heavy Session. The Planet X Radio Show. Satellite Skies. Shindig. Sweet Dreams. Tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Let our music make you happy. Oh, by the way, did you see the first Australian rescue flight from Kabul? It arrived in Dubai on Wednesday afternoon, our time, I think. Yes, a rescue flight from Kabul, and it carried 26 evacuees. 26. According to earlier reports from the government, there were over 800 Afghans, former translators and other aides to the Australian military mission and their families, awaiting evacuation. So I wonder who these 26 were. More shame on Morrison government. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves, and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafir to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online, or drop by 3CR during business hours. We're your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafirs.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S dot org dot A-U. A 3CR supporter. I've been wondering too, really, just what are we doing in Afghanistan? Weren't we looking for Osama bin Laden? Was that the original point that said we had to go in there? I mean, what are we up to in Afghanistan? Why were we even there? Well, the best thing to do, let's ask Bucko. Because always, ask Bucko, he'll tell you. The Taliban overran Kabul this week. They had been advancing throughout Afghanistan for weeks, ever since the Americans decided to leave. When the Americans ceased operations, so too did all their allies. Australia was one of more than 40 countries which had signed up for the conflict and which is still scrambling to tie off the loose ends of 20 years of war. The loose ends include Afghanis who assisted us or the Americans during those 20 years. As an advanced democracy, we also bear responsibility for the backlash which will inevitably fall on those we leave behind. Admiral Chris Barry, retired, commented today that we announced our decision to leave in April, and yet here we are four months later, still trying to arrange the retrieval of our support staff. 
a case of too little too late again. The current situation resembles Vietnam in the final weeks there as the Americans strive to get out. Their Afghan allies have been abandoned, military supplies left to the victors, collaborators are in extreme danger of retribution. There is also another large group which finds itself in dire peril, women and girls. Although the Taliban have, since they took power, promised that they have forgiven everybody, I'm not sure how much we're prepared to believe that. The Taliban is an extreme and pre-modern Islamist movement and women and girls can expect at the very least the reintroduction of arranged marriages, the removal of hard-won rights and personal freedoms, the abolition of education for girls and the mandatory dress code which includes the most extreme version of the burqa. They have also threatened all divorced women in the country for the very act of being divorced. When you invade a country, you must win the war or even if you retreat with honour, you lose. The enemy will surge if you abandon the field of battle, and the ideology you are battling against wins. The Vietnamese is still communist, and the Taliban will continue to be Islamist fundamentalists. Why were we there? Eighty years ago, Prime Minister John Curtin prepared a New Year's Eve message for the Australian people. It was written three weeks after the war with Japan had begun was published in the Melbourne Herald on December 27, 1941. His exact words were, without any inhibitions of any kind, I make it quite clear that Australia looks to America free of any pangs as to our traditional links or kinship with the United Kingdom. With this message, he informed the world that Australia's foreign policy direction must change in response not only to the military situation with Japan, but to Australia's location in the Pacific. From then on, he states, Australia will be proactive, the architect of her own interests. Australia disengaged from the general war to concentrate on the Pacific conflict. Both Churchill and Roosevelt were surprised and dismayed, but the die was cast. Australia survived that war, but only with massive assistance from the US. America has been the cornerstone of our foreign policy ever since. The alliance between Australia and the United States was formalised through the ANZUS Treaty in 1951. John Howard took us to Afghanistan. He signed us up for this war. He invoked the ANZUS Treaty. He was in Washington on September 11, or 9-11 the Americans call it, and Australian troops were committed to Afghanistan within a month by October that year. On the 10th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the US, he stated that the decisions I believed were right. I still believe they were right, and I believe history will vindicate them. Sadly, every Australian Prime Minister since him, since he was Prime Minister, has kept Australia in this fruitless, endless war. Not even Joe Biden thought the alliance should still be there. The original mission was to hunt for Osama bin Laden, and the second objective to deny al-Qaeda a foothold. Both had been completed. The Americans need to stop the nation-building and mind their own business. Look what they have done to every country they have tried to save. Scenes from the airport at Kabul are a sobering reminder of their folly. Australians have fought alongside Americans in every major US military action since World War II. They include Korea, Vietnam, the Persian Gulf, Somalia, East Timor, Afghanistan, Iraq and lately Syria. Many have used the shared history and shared values argument to justify our continued relationship. Others question the value for Australia 
which has stood loyally by its mighty allies through many wars, with not much to show for the effort, except in terms of lost lives and wasted military resources. We were never there as equal partners. Real politics suggests that there is an element of coercion in the relationship, in, the, in that the US is understood to reward its allies and to punish those who are not. Self-interest is also clearly evident. We consider ourselves too small to defend ourselves in a dangerous world, and so being friends with the richest and most powerful nation on earth adds to our international weight. Is Morrison committing us to a war with China? Last year, our Prime Minister ramped up the hysteria and the rhetoric concerning China. He even committed a sum of $270 billion to defence, which included funding for long-range missiles. These are presumably to warn China that we are deadly serious about defending ourselves militarily against our largest trading partner. This can be traced back to a slavish desire on Morrison's part to please Donald Trump. The ex-president, in an attempt to divert attention away from his own criminal negligence regarding the pandemic in America, had sought to demonise China for somehow inventing COVID-19. So by jumping onto Trump's bandwagon, Australia is now in the uncomfortable position of having antagonised our largest trading partner, and then by clearly choosing the Americans over China in a geopolitical struggle which we should have stayed clear of. So we probably do need the relationship with the Americans because we chose to be China's enemy. Or is the American empire heading towards its inevitable end? In Australian terms, have we backed the wrong horse? Thank you for listening. And you can find Ask Bucko at markbuckleymedia.com. That's Mark with a K, markbuckleymedia.com. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. 3CR. We'll be hearing from the bagman shortly, but before I do that and cross over to that stalwart of solidarity, I'd like to play a little bit of music. I want to play the best union song ever. Actually, I should say it's the best union marching song ever. Golly, golly, memories flood through me. Remember those days of marching up Burke Street Hill, striding out behind the pipers. You could do anything with the pipers in front of you. Oh, those were the days, my friend. Those were the days. Scatter my rights all over the place And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me 
to speak to the bad man finally and I apologize dear listener this should have been played last week but because of a mishap mischance and mistake on my part it wasn't so I'm bringing it to you again right now well bad man I was going to say good morning to you but I think you need a better morning you look a bit frazzled well, uh, we are on, uh, I'm not too sure what they call it. I think it's Facebook. But I tell you what, Susan, this morning I am white hot mad. Um, I'm, I'm ropeable. I'm, that means I think that I'm fit to be roped or tied down because, you know, you wonder about humanity. Now, I want you to hold on to your hat and grab hold of your granny pants because we're going on a journey. A journey? Well, a journey because, you know, bugger me dead, said Foreskin Ned, the bastard from the bush. And you have to really worry about humanity this week. Now, it's taken a week for me to calm down, and I'm still not calm enough. But last week, We've seen 200 people gather in the streets of Northgate to go on what, what, the, what was advertised as a puppy pub crawl. Now, I don't, really, don't want to repeat that, but I will say it one more time. A puppy pub crawl where 300 people sat in the gutter with their doggies 
uh, and uh, um, they were drinking alcohol and they sat there like they were in a pub but they were sitting in a gutter. Now, those people really have to have a long, hard look at themselves because they are in danger of disappearing up their own asses because 200 uncaring, greedy, buggers. Selfish. Selfish. That was the word I was thinking of. Selfish people then went on a puppy, uh, uh, a pub crawl. Now, it was advertised and the mass media uh, portrayed that as originating from the Peacock Inn Hotel. Now, nothing could have been further from the truth because the Peacock Inn Hotel was shut at the time. They didn't serve any uh, alcohol at all. It was the fact that it was organised by a couple of restaurants next door to the Peacock Inn Hotel that were selling cocktails and selling beer to these people before they went on, I'll say it again, a puppy pub crawl. Do we know the names of the restaurants? Well, I don't know at the moment, Susan, but if you happen to be going past the Peacock Inn Hotel, who had absolutely nothing to do with the planning of this puppy pub crawl, you will see that there are a couple of restaurants next door to the Peacock Inn Hotel who were serving alcohol, serving cocktails. People were sitting in the gutter and they were listening to a DJ across the road. Now, I would like to know who organised uh, this, uh, this uh, charade and who paid the uh, DJ who was playing music from across the road. Then I think I wouldn't have to look too far than a couple of restaurants next to the Peacock Inn Hotel. I wonder sometimes, Bagman, if people could be charged if they willingly transmitted a disease. There was something about that some years back, oh, last century, really, um, with AIDS. And if you knew that you had AIDS, but you had unprotected sexual contact with someone, you could be charged for endangering life or something, you know, whatever the charge was. But I wonder if you can be charged with that because you walk down the street and you've sat in the gutter with your puppy. Yes. And, that's um, important. Oh, your that's, puppy. And you've infected, well, someone going past on a tram. Could easily happen. That's what happened with Delta. That's what we've been told. The first things that came up here that... You only had to walk past someone. Mm. You didn't have to know them or touch them. They didn't have to cough on you or splutter on you or much less spit on you. But you just had to walk past them and you picked up their virus. Well, I'm just waiting, Susan. Sure, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Surely there is a pussy pub crawl. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> um well, it beggars belief, doesn't it? And they weren't the only people. There were there are hundreds of people in Richmond who were on a pub crawl without wearing masks, without social socially distancing and whatever. Now, 
these people need to be brought to book um, for the harm that they're causing other people uh, in the community. And take into account, Susan, we're in lockdown at the moment, and I don't know how long we will be in lockdown because of the actions of these greedy, selfish, uh, uncaring people in Northgate and also in Richmond. And we take into account, and I don't bring religion into this, I take into account that there was a, an engagement party with 60 people in St Kilda. And not only was there 60 people there and there were some infected, it was at a doctor's house. Has the doctor been defrocked or struck off or whatever they do to doctors? I don't know what they do to doctors. Well, he should be. <laughs> Look, we we have to be. Now, you, you remember that old jingle, don't be too polite, girls, don't be too polite. Show a little fight, girls. That's Show a right. little fight. Well, here's a message to Dan. Don't be too polite, Dan. The conjugate politician has got us through lockdown after lockdown since the federal government abrogated its responsibility for the deaths of many aged care residents during the, the first. Yeah, take into account, there was something like 800 people died here in federal aged care facilities. Then I'm reminded, and I'm sure you'll remember, uh, the Ruby Princess and the failure of the New South Wales government that contain the thousands of people released into the public while infected. Now, I'm sure you'll have something to say about that. Well, I don't really like too bad, man, because <laughs> I've got an awful feeling that someone on the Ruby Princess was a relation of someone in Parliament. Well, look, let me... I thought they were... Um, either the, no, I can't say the Prime Minister... I think they're relations of someone, someone's parents-in-law. And they're from that bloody, what's it called, that cult thing, that, that church. Yeah, church thing. Yeah, we don't need to say their name. No, but you know what I mean. And the listener knows what we mean. But look, Dan is too much of a diplomat to name and shame certain groups for the current extensive lockdown. But he knows which religious groups have flouted the current rules uh, around lockdown. Now, naming and shaming certain religious organisations is not the diplomatic way out of our predicament. Certain groups, certain groups have blatantly flouted the rules for religious reasons, openly visiting other people's houses, refusing to adhere to guidelines to protect all Victorians. Now, the diplomatic growth for Dan Andrews is not to name or shame, nor to ridicule people's religious beliefs. What he has to do is he has to get his, his uh, members of his parliament, who have some influence, to go around to these religious organisations and say, enough is enough. Because Dan has nothing to lose. Because after all, when people refuse to follow sensible medical advice and an outbreak occurs, he gets the blame anyway. It's all your fault, Dan, not them. 
I don't think it was a religious group that was out breaking the laws. It was a bunch of people who belonged to a particular religious group in East St Kilda. And there were some leaders of that religious, well, group, well, mm-hmm. well community, were absolutely furious and spoke out openly in public on television. I saw one on TV. Yeah. He was absolutely disgusted with these people. That's and, right. So, I mean, it's not because of their particular... What are we, oh, what are we skipping? It, not because they were Jews, but because they were just 69 people who didn't give a shit about lockdown and exactly. broke laws, broke the law and also or any moral principle. And a couple of them, it's three now, are actually COVID positive. I think so, it's more. I think it's more than that, Susan. Oh, that's and, spread. Yeah, and we really do have to take into account that without being anti-Semitic, we don't want to be. Uh, We're not. Had, no, this had nothing to do with religion. No, it had to do with their own selfish shit. No, that's right. Now, how about some quotes there, Susan? Now, not quite up with Kennedy's. That's John Kennedy, JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you or what you can do for your country. Or Churchill, we shall fight them on the beaches. Or even Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. Scott Scott Morrison thought on the weekend when he was talking about uh, providing vaccines that he should have provided a long, long, long time ago. He said, we will get there when we get there. Now, I'm inspired. I'm inspired. We will get there when we get there. When he was talking about the <laughs> $660 million worth of car park rort, he dismissed that and said, Oh, well, Australians are winners. You've got more car parks. <laughs> but oh, the yeah. point is, the point is, we don't. That's right, you don't. There are only two of them became <laughs> car parks. That's right. One, oh, of them, one car park was supposed to be at a train station that hasn't been a functioning train station for 11 years. <laughs> but that's this government, isn't it? It's full of broughts and it's full of uh, corrupt politicians now some man that morris yep. said that i thought well it gave me a giggle though i shouldn't laugh that ah talking about climate change and what he said was it doesn't change the calculus of climate change it doesn't change the calculus of climate change now look if you use a word like calculus you think it makes you look clever well you lost me to start with it, it just shows that you don't know what you're talking about that's right but well well, calculus, what, he meant, what cal- he meant to say, Susan, was we will get there when we get there. Calculus is something I had to struggle through in school, but it really doesn't. We had table books for it. It's actually called infinitesimal calculus. Oh, my God. Because, cal- because calculus is the study of infinitesimals. It, it, cal- it means it's a mathematical study of change. So what he's saying was that doesn't change the change of climate change. Well, oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I cleared that up for you. Well, <laughs> thank you very much, Susan. I'm a lot clearer now. Now, do you remember the old flick company 
Um, and someone sent me a rhyme um, about the flick company and why we should not adopt their catchy advertisement from the 1950s for the for the present crisis. Do you remember um, that catchy tune, How Can You Be Sure? Boar is in the door. <laughs> Get a flick, man. That's well, the Remember one flick and they're gone. Well, someone has sent me a catchy tune and they've changed a few words of that catchy tune. How can you be sure there is no COVID at the door? Lurking on the floor, pain and death galore. Here's a quick jab. That's your answer. Remember one One jab jab, and they're they're gone. gone. If this program wasn't, oh. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I haven't heard a dicky bird, and you may have heard a dicky bird. You may have heard something on the wire, or someone may have whispered something in your ear. But there have been a group of men, a group of refugees, who have been on a hunger strike for 17 days, and have been, or 19 days, and have been. Uh, admitted to hospital for refusing food and medical attention at the facility where they've been locked up for not one, not two, not five, but eight years. How can that possibly be possible in the current climate when we look at Afghanistan at the moment? Yes, yes. Well, have you heard anything about it, Susan? I haven't, I haven't heard a dicky bird about it on the mainstream media, that these poor buggers have been in hospital for 19 days on a hunger strike. Yes. I only hear from people I know, like Anne McAllister from 3CR. Ah, yes. Well, you will hear about it on 3CR, but you won't hear about it in the mainstream media. And the crisis in, in Afghanistan... You and me sat in that studio 21 years ago when they decided to invade Afghanistan and we said, and we don't, we don't want to pump up, pump up our own tyres here, we said that conflict, that invasion would still be going in 20 years' time. Well, it's finished now. Uh, it's finished and the people that are left in Afghanistan mainly women and mainly young women who will be raped and beheaded by the Taliban. Um, John Howard, Tony Blair and George Bush ought to hang their heads in shame. I think we should get the address of John Howard and every time you hear about the Taliban killing some woman or some young girl um, or raping someone, we ought to send a, a direct message or a photograph to uh, John Howard because, believe it or not, Susan, Canada is to accept 20,000 Afghan refugees, prioritising the most vulnerable women leaders, human rights defenders, journalists and religious minorities and families have already resettled uh, interpreters. Now, the latest I heard from Scott Morris was that a plane had been sent in and they'd picked up 126. Now, I kid you not, 
126 uh, Australians from Afghanistan. There were a lot more than 126, aren't there? Well, you only had to look at the uh, the uh, the American troop carrier that was had something like 600 Afghanistans packed in, um, and people still cling to the aeroplane, falling to their death as the plane took off. <sighs> Man's inhumanity to man. We still have Afghani refugees here in jail indefinitely. Exactly. Um, I would hope that some of those Afghani refugees will hop in a boat and come out to Australia and see whether we would be game enough, game enough to actually turn them away. The bad man, the bad man. Yep. The bad man. We've stopped the boats. Oh, yes, yes. We stopped the boats. We stopped the the boats. And during Moomba, we stopped the floats also. (laughs) Anyway. Bloody I want to go into one of my favourite topics before we finish. And about four times over the last week, I have seen adverts on commercial television. The advert went, in their words, do you have a runny nose, Uh, a sore throat, the sniffles and a headache, then you need Nurofen, available from your local chemist. Now, Susan, no ice can dunk. What you need is to get to the nearest COVID testing station and find out if you're carrying the deadly virus. Nurofen will be about as effective as dipping, dipping your left eye in cocky shit or rubbing tomato soup into your scalp to prevent male patent baldness, or the equivalent of Chinese Viagra to get, for men to get a stiffy. Now, I'm not surprised that the advert was not spooked. I am that the advert was not spooked by the wife of a former crapped-out footballer or an Olympic swimmer who failed to take, make the last tumble turn. We seem to take our medical advice from the, these experts not knowing their right elbow from their arsehole. So the next time you see a wag on telly or and or personality without the ability to tie, to tie their own shoelaces, giving you medical advice about an unproven remedy that, that ails you think about Nurofen and head for the cocky cage. Oh, God. <laughs> oh no, that's really frightening. That's really frightening, bad man. Well, pe- people think they've got the flu and they take a few tablets and they don't worry about going and having a test because they take the advice of a clapped out footballer's wife or, a, uh, as I said, a failed swimmer who made who failed to make the last turn, the tumble turn, and they go on and spread it within the community when they're not having engagement parties or going on puppy <laughs> pub crawls. A puppy pub crawl. I couldn't. Uh, uh, words fail me. Um, from And, and they are people from your side of the town. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> they come from near and far. They come from Clifton Hill. They migrated over to Northcote. So well, they, they can buy, stay there. They can buy a cocktail and take their pooch. On a puppy crawl. 
Not my <laughs> neighbours. My neighbours are all very cross about it. We've all been talking about it over the fence. We call out across the road to each other. If we've got little streets here, you know, they're tiny. <laughs> wow. You, you, oh. hardly, you hardly have to, to raise your voice to oh. talk to someone across the road. All those lawyers and barristers and brain yep. surgeons that yep. you share um, uh, back fences with, I am not surprised. Oh, they are. They are all barristers <laughs> and brain surgeons and politicians. Got a lot of politicians and uh, lackeys of politicians live around here. But you know how it goes. This is a little labour area. Well, are you sure about that? Because I know you're... Not in the Paris end of Clifton Hill. Yes, I am. No, you you are in the ghetto end, Susan. No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, 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 before we go, Susan, we haven't had a chance to do this, um, but there is a God after all. And I know that you don't believe in the Easter Bunny and Father Christmas. I but don't. You, <laughs> but you will after reading this or listening to this, Brian Hewson of the Hillsong Church has just been charged with covering up evidence of the sexual assaults of his father. Now, if that doesn't um, make you believe in Father Christmas, the fairies at the bottom of the garden and uh, also the Easter Bunny, nothing ever will. I'm writing to Father Christmas right now. <laughs> I'm I'm still pissed off, and uh, 20 years ago he promised me a bike in the endeavour to live it. Oh my god! Well, I want the pony. I always wanted the pony. Always wanted the pony. <laughs> Never got well, one. Well, I've fed a few ponies in my life, Susan, uh, by Have having you? five <laughs> five bob each way on them. <laughs> so anyway. Now, I'm not too sure of the time, Susan, because I cannot see the town hall clock from the soundproof room that I'm in at the moment. So you will advise when it's time to for us to say goodbye. We should go out in the same old way back, man. Yeah, why not? A dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight. You lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. 3CR. Well, thanks for coming along. Thanks for the ride. Thanks for tuning in to Left After Breakfast. We'll see you again next week, same place, same time. And don't forget, you can find my virtual travels on hago.com slash Susanna. That's hago, H-E-Y-G-O, and Susanna is S-U-S-A-N-N-A, just in case you can't spell it. You never know. People can spell all sorts of things, but often not something simple. Hago.com slash Susanna. So I'll say cheerio now from Left After Breakfast. Thank you.